Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Geekly Roundup podcast, uh, episode number 36, where in case you missed the previous 35 uh, podcasts, this is a weekly wrap-up of the things that might have slipped through the cracks of uh, aceofgeeks.net. I, I am, my name is Joe Hadsel. I'm the features editor of the Joplin Globe, and today I'm joined by Luke Farr. Say hello, Luke. Yellow. No, I said hello, not yellow. And we're also <laughs> joined by Scott Woodbury. How are you doing over there, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Excellent. Hi, everybody. Hello. Yeah, this has been an interesting week. A lot going on. Uh, the uh, How's everybody's week uh, going in your next of the woods? My weekend's actually going pretty well. We're, we're getting over a bit of uh, some wet weather, but uh, we've got some sun in store for us uh, this weekend, so I'll get my first hike in, hopefully. Nice. Not, yeah, there's just really, there's there's no good outdoor areas in Massachusetts for hiking. No beautiful oh, oh, forest There are. It's just the yeah, weather. Just it's the weather that you need to agree with you. Yeah, no doubt. How's everything looking out in San Francisco, Luke? Oh, it's been really beautiful the last few days. It's been some good days to go out and uh, and play Ingress outside like a big nerd. Oh, oh nice. okay. Wait. Are you a frog? No. I'm a Thank smurf. Thank God. <laughs> yes. Thank God, you're a smurf. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Oh, oh, I had that panic attack going, oh, it's going to be that kind of podcast. And then all of a sudden it's... <laughs> You said no, and I was like, oh, good, it's going to be that kind of podcast. <laughs> that moment Excellent. where you can't tell either I made a best friend or an enemy for life. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can see what kind of the end of the spectrum I'm going to be on tonight. Uh, yeah, I know that. I'm, well, I'm wondering what the difference between frogs and Smurfs are now. Ingress is this wonderful uh, it, uh, augmented reality game you can oh, play on your cell that's phone. that's right, yeah, with the app, and then you are capturing territories and stuff? Yeah, you're basically capturing historical... Uh, places or monuments or it, in my neck of woods churches are huge over huh. here in New it's, England. It's graffiti in San Francisco is a big one. Oh, they got, oh see that's what that's what I miss. For me I'm like hunting down historical cemeteries in the middle of the backwoods of Massachusetts in Rhode Island and I'm like I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> there was a group that tried to get something together, and I was actually, I had this on my radar as something to possibly cover for the newspaper. Uh, there was a group that tried to get it together, but I don't know that they had very many people at all. So I guess there's plenty of uh, territory to capture here in Joplin. Uh, y'all are welcome to uh, come on down. Uh, there's great restaurants. All yours for the game. There you go. There you no go. doubt. No doubt. So. Done. Yeah. So speaking of competition, uh, one of the things that caught my eye this week was a new form of competition that ESPN, uh, yes, the sports network, and uh, I guess I should apologize for even mentioning a sports network on a geek-related podcast, but dang it, I geek out over sports too. Uh, I'll allow this one. Okay, you'll allow? It's all right. Um, I am actually kind of excited to see that ESPN is trying to get drone racing uh, as part of its regular coverage, uh, the they are working with the International Drone Racing Association to uh, work out a multi-year distribution deal, which is going to be fantastic. I don't know if you've seen any of these drone racing videos on the internet. I cannot stop watching them. To me, it has all the thrill of NASCAR, but I actually understand the workings of drones and how to pilot them. And I'm wondering, because I know nothing about cars, maybe that's why I don't get NASCAR. Because I have no clue. I, I mean, I know where the tires are. I know where the engine is. Um, I, I, I actually put in oil in my engine once, and that's about it. That's about I all th- I got. I think the better analogy would be to IndyCar racing and not NASCAR racing. Huh, how uh, so? 
Well, IndyCar racing, there's more. It's the, the tracks aren't necessarily ovals. Number one, uh, there's more. There's more skill to drive. There's more different types of turns. And you, you mean there's right wheel. turns? Yeah, and then <laughs> on IndyCar racing, you have your wheels are on the outside of the car pretty much, and so you you have like danger zones. You can't just rub up against another car, and I think that goes the same with drones. You get hmm. you get quadcopters. You you're, once if your blades hit, I mean, I'm assuming you both fall out of the sky. So, uh, yeah. I watched a few promo videos for someone who was pushing this idea, I think maybe about a year ago, and it looked actually really fantastic because they can mount cameras on the drones, and they included, I think in this demo, uh, like an augmented reality type of situation where they, if you look through the drone camera, it, it, it shows other things in this pseudo course that they were flying. It looked really cool to me. I would watch it, totally. Oh, yeah. I would, too. And uh, you, I... Uh you know, there's always people that have some skepticism about the kind of things that ESPN decides to air and make competition out of. Like Yo-cho. back when they, yeah, Magic the Gathering or some of the uh, video games uh, that, that they broadcast. I think they, they showed Heroes of the Storm in some of in some major competition. And I don't know if their audience knew what was going on. But this is a network that made poker work competitively. Uh, so the, Very well. Too. Yeah, incredibly well. I, you know, I didn't even, I had no idea that poker could be that fun to watch. But you know, even when they're just doing rehashes of games, you know, they're not actually following it live. You know, they, I'm. That's probably one of the the keys to the success of poker uh, on ESPN, so that everybody kind of knows what's going on. Then when they do go with the live games, and uh, those two commentators they get, they actually have to speak off the cuff. That's terrifying. But back to the drone racing, it's, uh, this, is, this is perfect for opening up a lot of different avenues to people who may not watch ESPN otherwise. I think, I think that's a great kind of take on it because uh, they got a whole demographic. I mean, we're geeks. We're nerds. Do you, there, there's a huge population of our neck of the woods that just are allergic to sports. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they don't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, I dabble a little bit in football just because my office has a football pool every year. So I, mm-hmm. I know the basics. I equate it to, like, school knowledge. I have a GED in football where I've got people <laughs> in the yeah. office who have doctorates and masters in, in football. <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, I get I get enough by, but it, I think you're right, though. This opens up a whole new avenue for ESPN, a whole new demographic where it might not necessarily think that, they're going to watch ESPN, but now they might will, and yeah, hell, you might even see sponsorships. You know, yeah, weird, weird sponsorships now. <laughs> yeah, Luke, what do you think about the potential to draw people who are very, uh, just very repelled or repulsed by sports? Uh, do you think that anything like this has a possibility of snagging people who had never watched ESPN before? I think it definitely does. Uh, personally, I've I grew up in a college town and definitely grew up subjected to college football. I can definitely say that hearing that something interest, I shouldn't say interesting, like like football's not interesting. I don't want to seem combative, but you know, that, that something unusual and out of the ordinary is coming to ESPN, like drone racing, that I think I definitely, as a nerd who is generally allergic to sports, I'd definitely check it out. <laughs> Yeah, the um, watching some of the videos are just they they I like to put them on full screen, and I like to lean my face a little close to the monitor, and you start getting the you kind of get a little dizzy with things shaking around. But I think my favorite part is the finish line where they fly the drone smack into like a wall of cushions or something. I it's going at top speed and then thud and it's over. I, I never can figure out how the drones survive that. That must be some majorly soft memory foam or whatever. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think I think it's yeah. heading in the right direction. Yeah, is ESPN the right network to do it? Should another network do it? Um, I think ESPN is the right network to do it. Uh, I think if you were to put it on, say, Sci-Fi or Spike or TBS, I don't think it would necessarily generate a competitive. It, in other words, those networks wouldn't know how to handle something like that. Um, I thought maybe, I mean, yeah, no, I think I think ESPN's the right avenue for it. Um, I would say either that or NBC Sports because they do the Red Bull tournaments. 
uh, with the airplanes. And those are fun to watch, too. So that would be the only other network I think I'd trust with it would be probably NBC Sports. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I, the, they have a good record of making a lot of other things uh, that aren't exactly athletic but very competitive, yeah, like compelling to watch. So, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good deal, good deal. Well, the um, ESPN is not the only entity struggling to acquire the rights. Um, Luke, something that you pointed out was how uh, Warner Brothers, Sony, and, uh, well, there is a massive uh, bidding war uh, going for uh, the Japanese property of Pokemon. China is making a move, as I understand. Uh, What have you seen about this, and uh, what is, uh, how does this affect the Pokemon world? So this definitely just started breaking maybe about two hours ago. So this yeah. might turn into a much bigger deal than it is. But uh, right oh, now... Chairman Mao Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that loud? <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you, Luke. My apologies. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, th- I think you meant it. <laughs> but uh, So Warner Bros. and Sony, but also Legendary are right now vying for the rights in a secret auction to make a live-action Pokemon movie that, by the sounds of it, would be Western-based. And personally, I think it's really interesting that Legendary is making a bid for it. Um, Legendary, of course, uh, was behind the the most recent 2014 Godzilla movie, which I thought Mm. was just spectacular, Uh, especially coming from... You know, a country, America, which doesn't have a great history with handling Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, a horrible <laughs> history? Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was way don't behind that, so Matthew I'm really... Godric. Please, please, don't make me mention that. <laughs> I'm personally really interested, but there's a lot of debate right now because uh, since Legendary, as of January, is owned by, uh, by a Chinese real estate and investment conglomerate, Wanda... Uh, there's a lot of debate over how well this would go over in Japan because the currently strained relations between China and Japan, uh, which is an interesting side to it. But on the strictly Pokemon side, I, I can see the movie being either amazing or terrible, but I know personally either way, I'll probably see it 40 times in the theater. Well, see, that's the thing. With with so much competition, I know there's got to be a lot of mystery, but I imagine there has to be a lot of dread about it. I mean, remember all the feedback that Deadpool was getting where people would... I mean, just the suggestion that Deadpool might have a PG-13 rating got a lot of people upset. Uh, the, I, I can... I uh, yeah, going to be a lynching. Several. Yeah. How would that... How does that translate to the Pokemon fan base? I... I personally, you know, at, at this at this junction, we know next to nothing about the plans of any of the companies involved or what they're pitching. But uh, I will I will never forget. Maybe this must have been seven or eight years ago. There was a really cool, like super gritty Pokemon fan movie that was that was making the rounds. That was a live action, like ultra gritty movie uh, that definitely hmm. took kind of this this gangster approach with Team Rocket. You know, which which was definitely supposed to be kind of a group of mafia men. Huh. Uh, and I think I think Pokemon could be taken in a gritty direction, but I also don't necessarily think that that would be the right direction for Pokemon. I think that by the time this comes out, which, you know, judging by the fact that they're they're in a bid war for it right now, we've we're probably at least 3 or 4 years out on this project. I think by then gritty gritty is already kind of dying right now. I feel like yeah. uh so I feel like by then there'll be much less interest in kind of gritty reboots. This this sounds amazing though. This sounds like I need to see this. Uh, the you got a uh, is there a certain company you're pulling for because that the community thinks has a good uh, a good bank of trust to handle it. Uh, since I haven't seen I haven't I haven't been able to since this just dropped I haven't been able to participate in any of the fandom discussions on it quite yet, but. Uh, my my personal hope at this point would be legendary, simply because of the uh, the the job that they did with Godzilla was so spectacular, uh, and that's a property that ultimately could have could have gone pretty terribly, and we've seen it go terribly, and they handled it just beautifully. It was such a spectacular movie, hmm. uh, and I, so I'm 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 really pulling for legendary on this one. Excellent. Uh, Scott, did you see the uh, most latest, uh, the the latest Godzilla? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I know the one that, with uh, Brian Cranston in it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm yes. a big Brian Cranston. I, I saw fan. it, and actually, I'll say this: it, 
for an entertainment value out of any American spinoff of Godzilla, this was probably the best effort we've done from the United States. Um, the story is solid, and I understand their point of view. It, it, it's got potential. It's, it's. What are they going to do with it? Are they going to end it now? Or are they going to continue with it? Is the other question. So, yeah. but how did uh, it compare to? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I want to hear the question. Oh, I, I was question? wondering how uh, that how Godzilla compared to Pacific Rim. Oh. Oh, that's a hard oh, question. So Oh, you had to go there. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm All sorry. Right, so, <laughs> it, okay, Pacific Rim, number one, was probably one of my most favorite movies of that year. I, I think, um, I can't remember which year that came out, but I, I have it on DVD, and I think I've pretty much worn out the DVD. I, I it was 2013. Watch, 2013. I watched that probably six or seven times a year. And just I'm fine with it. It's pure entertainment. You know, you suspend your you know belief, and it was just you just sit there and you're entertained. It's an, like a monster movie. You can't go wrong. If they did Godzilla that way, oh my god! If Pacific Rim Two was, <laughs> if it was the robot versus Godzilla, I, I and they did it right and had a good scriptwriter. I oh man, I'd pay big money to see it. First in line, huh? The, uh, first in line. You know, my uh, my exposure to Pokemon has been, of course, the I, I loved playing the card game back when it first came out. Uh, the uh, I'm I'm a big Wizards of the Coast fan. I liked the mechanics of it, and I thought it had to some good, compelling gameplay. That was the only thing that really introduced me to the world and how uh, you know and how the uh, the Pokemon evolved and that kind of thing. Never got into the video game much, so. The um with because it's been so cartoon based, I'm trying to think. I mean, the only example that's pressing to mind right now is the Jungle Book, where something so cartoony becomes realistic. And uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm I am very curious about how that will uh, how that'll unfold over the next few years. But yeah, I guess we're not going to see anything immediately, like you were saying, Luke. Yeah, I just, I don't think it's realistic to hope that we'll see even a glimmer of the result of this anytime soon, but I think it has a, a lot five, of potential. Five or six year plan, I would assume that they've, it's just to get the rights and everything lined up. I mean, it, this stuff doesn't happen in, in a short yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, uh, now, this now, is, Luke, my, my, my question for Luke would be is, um, if a Western company were to pick it up and run with it and they did, they did a heavily Western influenced version of it. What would be your biggest fear? I don't know if that question was already asked or not, but did, is there a fear in the back of your mind that we might Americanize it too much? I think that with with the climate of movies right now, a uh, big fear of mine would that would would be that they wouldn't include any Asian actors <laughs> if oh, a Western company segue. picks it up. Uh, and you know, effectively, Gosh, where have we heard this before? Wouldn't yeah. pay homage. <laughs> to uh to to the source material in in such an important matter and i and i did also mean that to be deliberately a segue into something that scott's kind of passionate about <laughs> absolutely yeah i was gonna say man this segue just lined itself up and it lined itself up so perfectly that now it's kind of a cheesy segue dang it it's not cheesy we at ruined all. It. it's perfect no absolutely yeah absolutely yeah that is a perfect uh, it's a perfect question because uh, the uh, there has been a lot of controversy about the recent announcement of the casting for Ghost in the Shell, which features what? the popular not-Asian-American actress Scarlett Johansson starring in the role. Uh, Scott, how do you feel about this? Well, first off, Ghost in the Shell was the first graphic novel, and it, it was a graphic novel, that uh, I ever owned. It, it was, oh, yeah. Uh, and it was my first anime-slash-manga that I've ever owned, and it blew my mind out of the water like i looked I, I started reading i was like this is an amazing story this is something that you, you don't come across often and i still have my copy that i had as a as a teenager and i still will occasionally flip through it the, the pages are getting a little worn and you know little dog ears in the corners but <laughs> the artwork is fantastic the story is important um and this is what I was worried about. You know, it, it's been bouncing around for God, 10, 15 years that some American company is going to put a, a, a live-action version of it, which was hopeful. 
Um, now, I, I don't have anything against Scarlett Johansson, but in this application, I think it's an insult. It's 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 more just I hate to use this term whitewashing in Hollywood. Well, yeah, the that's kind of what was surprising about it. I mean, we ha- this issue has been talked about recently. It was a joke at the Oscars, which were just a couple of months ago. I mean, the uh, one of the the with everything from Gods of Egypt to uh, I didn't even bother uh, seeing that movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't either for for some strange reason. But yeah, the that's what surprised me that that the producers would think that there wouldn't be any kind of backlash. I don't know that they've responded to it yet because everything is so new about it. I imagine they're like, yeah, ScarJo. But how much do you think that this is going to affect ticket sales? I think it's going to affect it big time, given the fact the target demographic. You know, we're going back once again to, you know. Whereas we were saying ESPN is taking the right step in the right step in trying to target a new demographic, this is the wrong step to try and target a demographic that you're looking to target. Um, just for a purely marketing point of view, I think this is just a slap in the face to what the fans want. Um, will it make it an easier pill to swallow for the American society as a whole? Maybe, but it doesn't do the story any justice. Um, it, it's just kind of disappointing, and it. One of the, the in one of the articles that we're we're going to reference tonight is is based on a Yahoo article. Uh, the Agents of Shields Ming Nay Wen. God, I butcher that name every time. Uh, <laughs> she basically made a tweet. Uh, says nothing against Scarlett Johansson. In fact, I'm a big fan. But everything against this whitelisting of an Asian role is I I think a step backwards. I think I yeah. think American audiences are ready for genuine authentic performances we are thirsty and we're hungry to have these roles filled by the people that represent who made them or what influenced them so yeah there's so many actresses that that could have filled this role better than scarjo and it was just it's kind of disappointing it kind of just makes me feel like they don't care they just don't they're just trying to put the licensing out get the movie out so then they can say oh look we did it you know, along those lines, I'm thinking of two movies, and it, it seems like Hollywood always has two movies come out about the same subject all the time. Like, oh, presidential assassination attempts? Okay, here we go, Olympus and... Yeah, Lund- Olympus or, or, Yeah, home. whatever. <laughs> um, White House back, down. <laughs> yeah, yes, that is. Uh, one of my favorite all-time horror movies is The Ring because of how palpable the tension is. About the same time, there was a movie called The Grudge. And these two movies taught us that Japanese girls. The living hell. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Those two movies taught us that man, Japanese people can freak us out with their horror movies. However, the um, whereas both stories originated in Japan, The Ring was one hundred percent Americanized, and The Grudge actually took place in Japan. And uh, the how. I am. It's been a long time since I've read Ghost in the Shell, but as I remember, Ghost in the Shell happens in a, in a Japanese uh, kind of culture, right? Yeah. No, it happens. Yeah. It, it happens in Japanese society in the future, and th- the funny part is, is that in parts of the story, the American society plays a key role. It 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 ex- at that time it was exploring, especially since Japan was a. a you know, because of World War II, they promised not to build a military and, and whatnot. That there's hints of that legacy built into that future that they built. So it, to see this and then see this non-Asian character play an Asian role, and then if this subject, which comes up in the story, comes up in the movie, it's gonna be just awkward because it's like what, what huh, what? And if you know anything about Japanese society, I mean, one of the things I know is that they're very proud of their heritage, very proud of their race. They're, I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're highly racist or anything like that, but they, they are proud you know, of, of their nation. And yeah. they, for them, they wouldn't hire in the future. They wouldn't hire a foreigner to do probably a job like this. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, and that's, I'm walking a really fine line on this discussion all of a sudden. But well, yeah. Well, let me ask you, Luke, is there any similar identity or a, a strong tie to a national identity in the Pokemon world? 
are they going to have the same problems as Ghost in the Shell? That's that's kind of something that I wonder about, and I'd say that at this early state where, where you know, we have no idea which direction this is going to go in, that's my number one fear, that we're going to see some level, whether deliberate or inadvertent, of cultural disrespect in the movies, or, or of whitewashing, like, like we're seeing right now, just everywhere in Hollywood. Uh, my personal hope would be that they've gotten their shit together, pardon my language, by, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by, by the time this movie is, is in production, but that's definitely my number one fear. Yeah, the uh, I imagine that yeah, two nervous fan bases, two completely different stories, but still, that's uh, yeah. There, there's not a lot of uh, I can't see a lot of faith in Hollywood. That's that's kind of you know that's one of the reasons I've drifted so much to TV lately. You know, everybody's talking about movies. Me, I can't wait to watch Orphan Black. I can't wait to watch uh, Twelve Monkeys coming out this week. And uh, you know, I haven't had to deal with any of these problems in my beloved franchises lately. So it's uh, it's been kind of relaxing for me over here. Kind of just watching everybody stressed out. But the, um, what, do you think that these movies will succeed even if they fail at the cultural cultural representation? In other words, how strongly do you feel that the tie to the cultural identity will help the movie's financial success ultimately? Well, I don't know. It's new territory, I think. I mean... I mentioned that you know we we've got this you know hunger for the authentic. Oh, I can't can't talk tonight yeah. for staying true to the original uh, idea. Um, so I think if they if they continue in the line, I think it's it's gonna make money. I just don't think it's gonna make enough money. Yeah. For me, it makes me think of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, which was heavily whitewashed and totally tanked. Ooh. Uh, it was, yeah. there was, there was definitely a lot of people who held off and said, you know, no, we're not going to go see this because <laughs> of the cold of, of what's happening to this movie right now through Hollywood. And it definitely yeah. affected the success of the movie. So I think if they don't tread carefully, they're going to wind up losing a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that one also had the problem of being uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan uh, too, or what, did he just produce that? I think uh, he he, he did it. direct it. He did. There were there were a lot of problems with that movie. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then the twist when they were all actually Naruto. That was fantastic. Anyway, the uh, yeah, that's as, that's as good as my that's as good as my jokes get tonight. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, that's a good one. I like uh, that I, one. Hey, uh, something uh, going back to the Jungle Book, and this is kind of a, just a random piece of trivia I picked up. Uh, one of the questions that I've always wondered about Jungle Book is, uh, what the hell is a bear doing in the jungle? But thanks to the uh, the more live anim- action animation uh, being, I think, directed by John Favreau, uh, they have made an effort to be authentic to Rudyard Kipling's original book. And that means they have gone back to the sloth bear. Baloo is a sloth bear. And those actually are found in Indian jungles. So I had no idea about that. But now I can sleep at night because there are bears in the jungle. Now I'm going to have to go to Google and see what the hell a sloth bear is. (laughs) Exactly. That was definitely, I was standing here with my phone out (laughs) checking out (laughs) sloth bears on Google. Absolutely, yeah, that, and that's what all the listeners are doing right now. Really, sloth bears? Oh my god, they're like? interesting looking. Yeah, they're kind of cool. They've got like uh, they've got like death metal faces, you know, with the hair coming down. They look like they're they, an expert in kiss. I, I, I uh, yes, absolutely, or or metalocalypse one. Uh, the um, <laughs> yeah, oh man, funny metalocalypse moment I had, and there's there's probably no follow up to this, but uh, I was in the store and a uh, guy behind me was uh, wearing a metal a death clock shirt and i was like you know i had my i was listening to music i saw the shirt i turned my music off and like yeah cool shirt man they need to make more of those cartoons and he was like yeah i know and you know we had a great conversation about how he went to see the band live you know I, you know the actual people behind the music that's the thing about metalocalypse the uh, as far as metal goes it's really amazing music uh the, it's really well put together and uh very listenable and so I had this great conversation about a fake death metal band that's actually a real death metal band that tours. And when I was done, I put my earphones back in to where I was listening to 
churches, uh, the synth pop band, and <laughs> I, I felt like I lost a little bit of my uh, metal credit in, in, in that exchange. So I, I wouldn't beat yourself too much. My, yeah, my rule I, of, you know, my rule of music is if you like it, you like it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, to go, you know, talk about Death Clock, and then you put your earphones in, and the mother is Sharon. Oh yeah, it was, <laughs> it was bad. I, I kind of shriveled up a little bit. A little I bit. Was, so. I was in the pool. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, good deal. Good deal. Right, and so that's a question. What has been in your earphones lately? Luke, what you've been listening to lately? Uh, recently, I've been listening to a lot of Warren Zevin. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, seriously? <laughs> nice. I know, what I, I know what I'm listening to on Pandora later. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. What, what brought on the Zevin mood? Uh, well, I, I realized... This is kind of a lame reason to bring on the mood, uh, but but I realized a while ago that I had never finished the series Californication, uh, and so I went back to rewatch the entire series, and uh, Warren Zevin's music features really heavily in it, so I kept hearing it in the show, and and then, you know, finally going, okay, well, now now I just can't stop listening to it. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) nice. How about you, Scott? What you been listening to? Oh, my God. I've been been on a roller coaster this week. I started off with... Uh, some black keys and you know i got a heavy grunge rock music background so when the black keys came wrong i just warmed right up to it and i've been listening to that but oh you guys are gonna hate me i've also been listening (laughs) to a little bit of uh trance and electronica and a little bit of house music too which is just like full electric techno yes stuff and for me that's just Gets, it, it puts me in overdrive at work when I listen to it. So I'm like, I, I put my earphones in. I can block out my coworkers and just get my get my stuff done. So nice. Now, yeah, sing sing some of the lyrics from some of those trance songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, the first the first word is boots. The second word is cats. And then you say boots again, and you say cats. Again. No, I am boots, I'm with boots, you. Cats. Yeah, pretty much. I am with you on uh, on like uh, electronica trance. Uh, I am big on instrumental bands. Uh, there's a uh, there's a progressive metal band called Animals as Leaders that that's big writing music. But I think my favorite lately has been Battles. They are they are also a kind of a indie progressive instrumental band that has some amazing stuff. And uh, they they use a lot of looping. They use a lot of uh, layering. And just produce some fantastic uh, stuff that comes around and keeps my ears happy. So, and it's perfect for deadline because no words to mess things up. Yeah, that's always a good thing. That's what that, I think. That's why I tend to listen to it when I'm at work because you can't keep it. It won't distract you verbally. It was just, it's just a constant beat, and your head goes, "Nope, we got to get yeah. stuff done. Nope, just follow the beat, do the work, follow the beat, do Excellent. the work." Yeah. Excellent. Oh, you know, Scott, I want to go back to the uh, I want to go back to the uh, Ghost in the Shell and the story that you had found. Uh, I, one of the things that struck me was that uh, Ming Na Wen actually uh, took a pretty strong stand against the casting of Ghost in the Shell. The uh, I I haven't heard other actors talk about casting decisions like she has. Yeah. No, I think one of the great things. Which I like about act, the actress Ming Na Wen is that, you know, if you look at her career, I mean, she they've stuck her in some pretty weird roles early on in her career, um, and as she's gotten older, and I think once when she hit the Bond movie, I think she yeah she was in the Bond movie. No, that was oh oh, oh I had a big snafu there. No, she wasn't in, in the Bond movie. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought then. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I just made I just made a bad movie reference. Um, oh no, that's okay. We'll edit it out. We'll, we'll edit, edit it, it out. out. We'll edit it out. No, um, <laughs> no. But uh, she's she's done a lot of TV shows and a lot of a lot of roles that you know they where they need a stereotypical uh, Asian looking person. They'll use her, or they'll use like two other actresses that everybody knows. I know when she held a role in uh, a short series Stargate Universe, uh, she played in that role as well, and they kind of pigeonholed her a little bit, and and I think that's what's where she's coming from is that she's been in the industry for so long and she's seen the worst of it, and she doesn't see it changing yet, 
And so I, I think her stand's a valid one. Good deal. The uh, how? What about the radio silence from other actors? Do you think uh, more actors are going to be speaking out, Luke? I think it would be great, but I think that uh, a lot of actors are probably right now scared for their jobs or scared yeah, of uh, of being abandoned you. by their agents. Yeah, uh, I know that a while ago there was a case with a uh, an actress, and I'm trying to recall who it was, but she uh, she posted a picture of a. Uh, of a casting call for an Adam Sandler movie uh, where it requested oh. that the, that the female actress dress very provocatively. Yes. That would be uh, Rose McGowan. Yes. Rose McGowan. Thank you. And yeah. she, she, she tweeted a picture of this and got fired by her agent uh, for speaking out against, against the sexism that's yeah. prevalent in Hollywood. And I think that a lot of Asian American actors are probably worried of a very similar thing happening if they speak out against whitewashing in Hollywood. Which which means that it's then up to the fans to speak out, and it's up to the fans to to show yeah, that if Hollywood continues to whitewash movies, that they're not going to be getting uh, money from the fans. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, I, <laughs> he, yeah. The, the, the thing are... I think I think the thing <laughs> the thing is that I mean Hollywood used to be really bad with whitewashing. I mean we're talking John Wayne playing Genghis Khan whitewashing I, I mean you can't get whiter than that um <laughs> it, it's an industry that's slow to change but i think with a lot of the progressive movements in the younger generations coming to full force and full bear on the government aspects of our society i think you'll see that pressure start getting applied more and more to the entertainment industry and i think you're going to see them, them answering positively to it and we're going to see a lot new actors or actresses that can fill roles that are are specific you know they may not be a superstar they may not be a brad pitt but they can convey you know a positive role model for a particular ethnicity and and pull it off you know it's okay i i think it's heading in that direction i think you'll see it in our lifetime probably the time we're in our 70s or 80s that these conversations probably won't be happening that much anymore but that's just me being very hopeful, I think. <laughs> Good deal. Well, speaking of hopeful, I'm going to give you guys promotions. Congratulations. You're directors of the uh, of the uh, franchises we've been talking about. Congratulations, <laughs> Scott. You are the casting director of Ghost in the Shell. Who do you give oh, that role to? Oh, God. Um, I know exactly who I'd give that role to. And it's a complete... Yeah? It, it, she's only had one other really noticeable role... And she's actually part of a movie that I discussed earlier this evening. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know what movie that could be? Um, Pokemon. Uh, I'm going to go with Pacific Rim <laughs> for 500, Alex. <laughs> uh, Rico Kikuchi uh, played the Asian counterpart to uh, Charlie... No, yeah, I, I can't even remember that guy's name. But the lead actor in Pacific Rim. Um, she... I think would have fit the bill perfectly. She's got a physical prowess that works, and I, I think she, she, when she played opposite of Charlie Hunnam, I think it worked, and I think she could bring that to a main character role and, and run with it. And she's, I think, when I think of Ghost in the Shell and I think of the main character, that's the face and in, in the, in the body type that I see filling that role. I All know right. that's, super, that's a superficial thing, but it would give her a chance to prove her acting chops too, which I think is there. Excellent. Yeah. There's certainly the story to go with that. Yeah. The, uh, okay, Luke, your turn. Who gets to play Ash? So I, I fortunately had a little bit of time to think about this (laughs) while while you guys were figuring out Ghost in the Shell. So I got to cheat a little bit, but, uh, judging, you know, judging by, it's going to be a couple of years before we have it. Uh, my big Mm -hmm. bet would actually be Forrest Wheeler who's right now playing the role of Emery on the show Fresh Off the Boat, uh, which is a fantastic oh. show about a family of, uh, of well, Chinese-American children growing up in the 90s in Florida. Um, yeah. And, and this, this kid who by then will, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but I'm sure by then he'll be 14 or 15. And right now he has this just incredibly hilarious on-point character on Fresh Off the Boat, and he's, a, he's an incredible actor. 
you know, he really brings this role to life, so I'd really be interested to see him develop his acting career, and I think that he'd definitely be my number one pick for Ash when when the time comes around. Do you know uh, who I would think, do you know who I think a, a good Ash would be? Because I've seen the cartoon once or twice. I've, I haven't played the games for Pokemon, but Steven Yoon from Walking Dead. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh. But I picture him with I the just hat did. on. Pic- picture him with the hat on and the little vest. And oh. You think? I, and I know he's Korean. I, I, I know he's not Japanese, but. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I could see it, but the problem is Ash is meant to be uh, 12 years old. Yeah. And so, you well, know, hey, even if by Hollywood standards they cast a 16 or 17 year old to fill that role, it still yeah. would be. I know. know. So who do they get to do the voice of Pikachu? And I'm trying to think of the impersonations that I know to make this hilarious. Oh, it's it's got to be the original voice actress. Oh, you think? Yeah, I I I wouldn't. So even in both the Japanese version and the American version, they always had Ikue Otani playing Pikachu. And I don't I don't think they should go with anybody other than her because she's always been the voice of Pikachu. In okay. in every dub of Pokemon all across the world, I just so I just don't, don't think anybody could picture Pikachu with a different voice. <laughs> okay, so so you don't think like somebody like James Earl Jones would be suitable for the role? Then? Pikachu. Well, that would definitely be my second Pika. choice. Arby's. <laughs> we have the Pikachu. The uh, I, you know, I, you know, along those lines, that was one of the things I loved hearing about the casting of Ratchet and Clank, that they kept the original voice actors for the main characters of Ratchet, uh, Clank, and uh, Captain Quark, of course. But, uh, the, uh, but yeah, that, w- that was always good to hear. And one of the things I've always kind of uh, hoped for when I think about an, a movie adaptation of Uncharted is that Nolan North would somehow uh, be incorporated into that role somehow i don't know if he has the look for it because quite frankly i've never seen pictures of him outside of his little itty bitty twitter uh user pick but uh but i i hope that uncharted if it was ever made into a movie and if they were unable to get nathan fillion in the role of nathan drake that uh they have to lose a little weight now just saying Uh, yeah yeah well well i mean that's 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 hollywood they're losing weight all the time for hollywood but I mean, they they made Carrie Fisher drop what five hundred pounds six hundred pounds, the uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah no doubt yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes, the um uh, let's see so with those coming out with the racing coming out and uh, it sounds like we've got at least a lot to talk about for the next uh, at least few months um uh clo- to close this out what are you guys excited about seeing next week is there a movie is there a tv show that uh that is on your radar uh, um, for me i'm actually planning on seeing the jungle book nice uh, which is just about to come out and i'm kind of excited about it it looks yeah. good yeah it does yeah Wait, especially is Liam neeson one of the voice actors for one of the characters i let me you don't hear me keyboarding wiki right now <laughs> i'm actually not keyboarding I, wiki no, right now no keyboarding oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i don't believe liam neeson is but there's uh christopher christopher walken and idris elba and ben kingsley you know. and bill murray oh, that's a, that's uh, yeah that's right bill yeah bill murray does believe bill fucking the, murray. The, the sloth barrier the the uh, i wonder if he'll actually make a point to like no, I'm a sloth bear, and of course I belong here. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> I, I can totally see that. I can totally see it. The, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Scott, what's on your radar? What are you going to be uh, checking out this weekend or um, next week? I'm a big movie hound, but actually the thing I'm looking forward to the most right now is the new, second season of Turn is now available on Netflix. Now, Ooh, Turn, good call. Turn is, uh, a sh- if, if you guys don't know, is, is a show about... Uh, the Revolutionary War in America, and the spy network that George Washington sets up. And it focuses on this one particular spy. It's really cool if you're really into history, which I love. So I'm yeah. looking forward to binging a little bit on that over the week as uh, as the days go on. Excellent. So. Yeah, I'm with you on turn. It's a fantastic show. I That's one of the shows I watch. It's it's hard to find a bad show on AMC. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Better Call Saul finale next week I only but, finished yeah, like season I said, one on Better Call Saul I haven't started season two yet 
Oh man, uh, the I, I tell you what that that show is. It's everything that you love about Vince Gilligan and the way he produces TV shows without the terrible descent of Walter White. I, you're not watching a really good person become somebody really terrible and just unveil the monster that was always there. And that was one of the things that kind of depressed me about Breaking Bad. Even though it was a great show, I mean, it was just... Oh, Walter was just terrible. And by the time the final season comes in, you're just like, okay, I want to see this guy get it. I mean, yeah, Walter White, go down. Give all the good stuff to Jesse Pinkman, please. Better Call Saul, you don't have that. You have Gilligan's storytelling, his writing. Uh, Bob Odenkirk does an incredible job as Jimmy McGill. Uh, and he's surrounded by a great supporting cast. Uh, I've, I've loved watching that show. It's a fantastic show. So... It's a good premise. I have to disagree with you on the on on thinking that the downturn of Walter uh, was a bad thing. I think yeah, I think that was actually a, a great piece of writing. Um, I think it, it it he painted himself in the corner by the end of the show, but the way he escaped that corner, I think, was perfect. You know, because you you oh. get those series that you invest a lot of time in, like say we'll talk about The Sopranos, where the ending far disappointed a lot of people from absolutely yeah and even to me I, i've watched that last episode i don't know three or four times and i still don't get it <laughs> i mean yeah. i get it it's supposed to not be get you're not supposed to get it but i, I don't get it. and that frustrates me it's like lost it's like watching lost you'll watch it like, oh, <laughs> oh look, man i'm gonna finally answer this question oh <laughs> freak there's the three new questions i need answering that's an entirely new podcast. Yeah. That's oh, duh, that's no. Uh, that book is closed. I'm not opening. Uh, yeah, that book again. Um, <laughs> I can't watch that movie four or five times. I, I have to say, Breaking Bad for me is a, a, a show that will define the 2000s. I think. Uh, oh yeah, I would agree. Easily, as as good writing and good environment, good characters, good actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it's just. It's, I, I, I put it up there. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with what you're saying about the writing. Part of the reason that I hated uh, watching Walter White so much was that the writing was just so phenomenal. Uh, the Every aspect of that show was expertly like That's the thing. You wanted to, but, well, not by the end of season four, especially when they did the close-up of the certain plant. You know, anyway, you know spoiler alert. But, I don't uh, know, the, man. Yeah. I, I, even to the last episode, I was just like... I, I could see why he's rationalizing doing what he's doing. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Now, yeah, for me, it wasn't really until that. Well, we're here we are talking about Breaking Bad. but uh, the, I can't uh, talk about yeah, it with my older it, brother because he's a chemist and he <laughs> says the jokes have been too many, far too often, so he no longer entertains them. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. But Better Call Saul <laughs> is more Vince Gilligan's writing and it's a fantastic show. The finale's tomorrow. And uh, that means the season two debut of uh, Twelve Monkeys is uh, Monday too. So How I don't know that? why I said I tomorrow. On Twelve Monkeys yet? I enjoyed it immensely. Now I I have to preface it by I usually have a rule when a show just reaches into time travel, it's usually used as a crutch. See, forty percent of Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes. I'll agree um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but time travel was the premise from the beginning with 12 Monkeys. Uh, what the directors did was they kind of got away from Terry Gilliam's bizarre version of it and went with a more gritty, realistic uh, version of it. And the story unfolded really well. Um, they, you know, it had either there were some annoying moments, but for the most part, I was hooked. Uh, some of the twists uh, kept me going, and the uh, the actors do a I wouldn't say they do. I mean, they they're not stellar, but they are. They're TV uh, actors. For TV actors, well, they do a decent job. Uh, yeah, and they are very convincing. So, uh, I'm enjoying that show a lot, and I'm going to enjoy uh, the second season of it. And of course, the other one I mentioned, uh, Orphan Black. How can you not love Tatiana Maslany with how <laughs> she does all the roles? I don't know if you guys have watched the show yet. Uh, the fourth season debuted yesterday, Thursday. And uh, there's already a major twist. Uh, it appears that uh, from a teaser that the BBC America released, they're going back to one of the key characters who um, who had a, who died in the very first scene in the very first episode. Uh, so they're kind of going with a flashback, and I'm really excited to learn more there. 
and uh, and also uh, the, uh, the 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 producers of that have also found some great cast members. Uh, Michael Mando from the first couple of seasons. Um, Matt Frewer was in the show. Jordan Gavaris does a great job as uh, Felix. And uh, the casting the, spot on for that show. Oh man, is it spot, spot on. on? Even even Christian Brunn as uh, as Donnie. You know, he starts out as big dumb evil Donnie, but then you know the all of a sudden. You know, he and his wife, Alex and Hendricks, who was one of the uh, clones, they're fantastic. They're just great. And I mean, you know, even though it gets it borders on the absurd sometimes, there are so many awesome moments in that show. I think TV uh, needs so, to take more risks like that, though. They need, they need yeah. to walk the absurd. Absolutely. I'm getting Absolutely. preachy again. Good deal. Uh, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Every uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, if you're looking for more of what we are talking about, this please come to AceOfGeeks.net, where we're posting stories like this all the time, all weeks with the daily articles. Uh, we have the YouTube channel. Uh, we stream three times a week. Um, we occasionally get to listen to Mike play video games, which is awesome. Uh, the uh, and uh, we also have the podcast RPOK, uh, which is uh, it deals with tabletops, and we also have the Ace of Geeks podcast, uh, which uh, which covers the, the the highs and lows of geek culture. A lot of great stuff. Thank you for listening. I am Joe Hadsel. I've been joined by. Scott Woodbury. Yes, thank you. I, I almost said Luke Fatum. Looking at Mike Fatum's name. That's not Luke's name at all. Oh, man. That would have been embarrassing. But yes, uh, for, for Luke, Scott, and Joe, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everyone, take care. See ya. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.